What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast. Glorious, sunny Wednesday morning. You're listening to this. Maybe Wednesday afternoon. Maybe Wednesday at the gym. Maybe you're working out and listening to my voice. That would be weird, but go ahead with it. Subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, wherever you get your podcast. I'm Will Brinson. You can follow me on Twitter, at Will Brinson. You can follow my guest today on Twitter, at Jason Lockenfora. He's back from vacation, and he's joining us on the show. What's up, man? What's going on, buddy? How are you? <laughs> Pretty good. I can't, I mean, I could complain, but as this has actually been a, like a long, like we get all our complaints out, out before the podcast records. That's what Ryan Wilson and I did for years. We would record the podcast and complain to each other for like 20 minutes before. Uh, you and I didn't do that. We just talked about vacation and stuff and how you, uh, right. you, you made a bunch of tricks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you made, uh, you made some, there was absolutely no complaining. Yeah. Um, prior to that. <laughs> you were just complaining about how Manny Machado is probably getting traded. May have played his last. Uh... He has to. No, he has to. He's, he's, he has to be traded. I mean, I would be. I'll be complaining if he's actually in Toronto on Friday in the Orioles lineup. Then I will be apoplectic. Where's he going to go? That won't Philly. The Phillies. Phillies. I mean, every five minutes, it's somebody new. I would imagine. Look, if it, I think it's the Dodgers or the Phillies, and I get the sense right now the Orioles are leaking different stuff to the media playing one team off the other every 12 hours or so, which is actually smart. I give them credit. Um, their front office is usually pretty backwards. But I think they know they've got the Dodgers and the Phillies uh, in this, as well as some other teams, but they love uh, the options from those farm teams. And I, But right now they've each got a player allegedly off the table who they really want, Sixto Sanchez of the Phillies and Alex Verdugo, among, and some other pitchers from the Dodgers as well. Um, Bueller and some of these guys that they've been told are untouchable, and I think they're putting the final squeeze on to see if they get one of those type mm. guys to put one of those two teams over the top. But they're fairly comfortable with the array of, of prospects from both, for what I hear, to feel like they, they could they could consummate a deal at any moment with either one. They won't do anything formally until Wednesday or Thursday, though. They'll let Manny play in the All-Star game Tuesday night. By the way, you should also check out Jason's fabulous Baltimore-centric podcast, Be More Opinionated, on iTunes. But speaking of guys who could get traded, uh, some news on Tuesday morning as Earl or Monday night, whenever the hell he did it, Earl Thomas pops on Instagram and writes essentially, pay me or trade me to the Seattle Seahawks. This is, is no, no surprise that Earl Thomas is unhappy. This, yeah. This has been going on since, right. you know, March, maybe February, really the combine. Well, you could say it's been going on February. since the Seahawks beat the Cowboys in Dallas last year on, Christmas Eve when, when Earl was like, he went to the Cowboys, he was like, Hey, come get me next offseason. In other words, he saw the writing on the wall, but I don't oh, think, yeah. I don't think anybody saw the total dispersion and demo- demolition of the, the Legion of Boom, but here we are. Um, and I guess my question well, to you, Jason, is where, well, go ahead. No, where, where does Earl Thomas play? I was good, like at the combine, I, 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 at the combine, you know, I reported that all three of them were very likely to be gone. The three being Chancellor was, he was done. He wasn't playing again. Um, you know, there was some internal debate about if, if look, if Richard Sherman would have taken a complete haircut to stay, then he'd still be there, but he wasn't going to take it. So he was gone. And Earl and Michael Bennett were the best trade chips they had. And they set the value exceedingly high on Earl. And I didn't think anybody would meet it. And they didn't. And they talked to the Cowboys and four or five other teams 
through the spring, and I chronicled then what they were looking for, which was like a one and a two, and that was never going to happen. And then I reported it's going to come down a little bit before the draft, and it did, but it didn't come down nearly enough in terms of to what other people thought fair value was because the guy still wants $11, $12 million a year on a long-term deal to play the position. And now we're at a point where, I mean, I'm on the radio in Seattle every week, and they've literally asked me about this every week since probably January. And I've said the same thing, circle certain dates. You had a circle originally, you had a circle of combine, then you had a circle of the draft, then you had a circle first day of training camp, and then you got a circle – uh, final roster cuts down to the 53, and then you got to circle the trade deadline. And between all those circles, eventually there's going to be an X through one of them, which is the day Earl Thomas gets traded because they're not going to pay him, and he knows other teams will, and he has the threat of a holdout, and I think that threat would be fairly real in his instance, certainly much more real than Le'Veon Bell. And at some point they're going to realize something for him is better than a 2020 fourth-round compensatory pick. Mm. So I do think he'll be traded. What, and, is there anybody? You know, is there anybody other than Dallas cheap players? Huh? I mean, it could be anybody. And injuries could arise through the, through you know camp. Um, you know, it, it it could be it could be a contending team that loses somebody. It could be somebody getting permission to talk to Earl and finding out that the contract terms aren't as bad as we thought. Um, Look, I know Pittsburgh likes him a lot. Pittsburgh doesn't have a lot of cap space, but, you know, let's say after this Le'Veon Bell thing, Pittsburgh's like, okay, well, that's $14 million coming off the books in a year, right? Yeah. And um, we're going to have a, a running back making 500000 So we got $13 million to play with, and that's money we never had to play with in a long time. And maybe we think Earl Thomas puts us over the top. You know, I, I think there's teams that could get somewhat creative about it. Uh, but, again, it's going to be more for, you know, a second-round pick, and something else, depending on how he, you know, how he produces. You know, I think you could get value over time if you're Seattle, but it's going to be incumbent on, you know, him playing 16 games for that team or, or you know, him reaching certain uh, thresholds. But I, I don't see him playing a full season with the Seahawks under any circumstance. I, I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, wow. Well, I mean, look, and it makes sense because he wants to get paid, and you're right. I mean, he is willing to hold out. Uh, you mentioned Le'Veon Bell. And all his boys are gone. I mean, the defense yeah. has completely changed. The tenor of that team has completely changed. I still think they're going to be more competitive than most. I, I still think they could They could even win that division. I mean, I, who knows? But I, I think they – I'm with you on that. I think okay. I'm with you on that. I think that I think that people are burying Seattle and burying Arizona a little too quickly, uh, at least in terms of being teams that can make some noise in the West. Like, what happens if the Seahawks, because they have three of their first four on the road, what happens if they start three and one, and the defense looks rejuvenated, and all these young guys are playing well, and Earl Thomas is playing at a pro, an All Pro level? It, See, I don't know that he's there though. I don't know that if they're three and one. Without him? Oh, if they're three and one without him, you then just they've, trade him. they've won back a bunch of leverage. I don't know that he I don't know that he plays in September if he's not dealt. And they're not giving him a new deal. So I d I don't know that he's there. Okay. Wow. All right. Well that would be if And if they go three and one without him, then they're like, he's got his tail between his legs a little bit. Yeah. Uh if they're three and one without him, he's he's but, like he's they're like, dude, <laughs> sit out as long as you want. We're winning. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. You, well, you mentioned uh, you mentioned sure. Le'Veon Bell, and he did not get paid what he wanted to get paid. I thought that you had a very interesting. Of course, we're recording this on Tuesday. The franchise tag deadline has long since passed. Nobody signed a new deal. Not really surprising, especially with Bell. But I thought you had an interesting tweet 
that involved Jarvis Landry. And I'm wondering, how do you see this market for Le'Veon Bell? And how much does a guy like Jarvis Landry, who signed a $16 million deal per year with the Browns as a slot wide receiver, impact Le'Veon Bell's contract in free agency next year? Because he's, he's done with the Steelers. I mean, he, he, his agent has said yeah. as much. And even though Le'Veon won't say as much because you don't want to anger the fans, even though Kevin Colbert won't say as much and said they'll try to work out a deal, there's no, no, there, well, there's no chance in hell he's not going to test free agency now if he makes it that They're far. not franchising him three times in a row. And right. he's not going to do a deal with them until he hits the open market. And once he hits the open market, um, somebody will give him – I don't know if he's going to get 17 a year, but he might get his 16. You know, I, I suspect he probably does. And if David Johnson in the interim has already got to 16 and Bell has the kind of season he had last year, then someone, someone will give him his money, but it's not going to be, it's not going to be Pittsburgh at this point. That, that ship has sailed. And look, I, I don't necessarily blame anybody. I don't think there's a distinct winner or loser. I can understand where they're coming from saying, look, we went further than we thought we would go a year ago, and now we're willing to put 14 a year on the table. And the one thing about the Steelers, they're never going to guarantee a third year. And the full guarantee in the second year, a lot of times, might not totally be full, 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 ironclad, lock, full, guaranteed money. Mm. So, but for them, look, we're going to make you the highest paid guy at this position since, you know, Peterson signed his deal for $15 million a year a long, long time ago. And, you know, you're our guy, and we're going to lock you in, and, and we're all, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I get it. And I, I get them not being willing to go 16 or whatever, especially for a guy who has missed time due to injury and off-field stuff. And I can look at him saying, well, it's worked out for me a year ago. I saw what Cousins just did. And if you don't give me everything I want, then – I'm willing to gamble on myself and take this 14.5 and fully guaranteed and pocket it in the meantime. And, you know, I'll have made my, you know, whatever, 27 million from you guys the, the last two years. So he's averaging over 13 already. So I, I, you know, I get it. Um, if they didn't have such a star studded, you know, lineup, if they didn't, you know, know that Ben's going to start squeezing them again nine months from now and, hmm. You know, yeah, maybe it works out a, a little differently, but uh, they've done a really good job drafting skill players on offense. And I'm not saying they're going to find another Le'Veon Bell and he's special, but I, you know, I, I, I get it. You're not you're not going to be able to keep everybody all the time. And as for the Jarvis Landry contract, yeah, I mean, when that happened, I was getting calls from a lot of agents saying like he's an okay football player and all, but I got a guy who can run for 1,500 yards a year who can catch 50-odd balls, who can average close to per catch what Landry does, and my guy's a running back, not even a receiver, and if my guy lined up in the slot as much as Landry did, he'd catch 110 balls too, you know, but he'd also probably get in the end zone more. And he could also save the quarterback's ass on third down when they're selling out the blitz. So you're going to tell me Jarvis Landry's a better football player than my guy? You're out of your mind. Yeah, it's not even close. And And I'm like, I get all that, but the Steelers aren't going to pay him. Because he's not on the open market. They still have the leverage of a franchise tag. If Bell was on the open market, I think he'd get what you guys are saying. But he's not on the open market yet. And him not being on the open market yet leads to the Steelers doing what they're doing, which means now David Johnson isn't going to have a levy on Bell long-term deal to negotiate off of. Um, and we'll see what the Cardinals do there between now and week one. Uh, 
but he's never made any real money in his life. And that's another guy who it's not like you're risking a ton of money by sitting out. And he did stay away from mandatory minicamp. And we'll have to, you know, that's another one where, you know, people are talking about Bell sitting out. And I'm like, well, I don't see that one. He's not walking from, you know, $900,000 a week. But David Johnson, I'd keep my eye on that one. Mm, interesting. The thing with Bell, too, like, he's only 25. I mean, he was only 26, I guess. He'll be 26. Um, yeah, he's 26 and a half. So, I mean, he's, it's not like he's going to hit the open market at the age of 30. He's still going to be a 27 year old running back who, if he stays healthy, will get, you know, he'll have 1200 rushing yards, 600 receiving yards. And when you look at the stats over the last two years, there are three players in football who have 150 catches and 2500 scrimmage, yards from scrimmage total over the last two years. It's Antonio Brown. Julio Jones and Le'Veon Bell. And Le'Veon Bell has like 1,400 more scrimmage yards than those other two guys. I mean, he is, he is, a, he, like he, I get that he doesn't have as many catches per year as Jarvis Landry, who led the league with 112 last year. But I mean, but if, he, if he played that position, which he could, he yeah, would. He'd be better sure. than Jarvis Landry at Jarvis Landry's position. And like, like when I tweeted something out about or, how. Or very comparable. I mean, if you want to argue better or not. But I mean, Le'Veon Bell runs great routes. Does he run the full route tree? Maybe not, but it's not like he couldn't learn it. I mean, Jarvis Landry averages barely over 10 yards per reception as a receiver. Le'Veon Bell averages yeah. eight and a half yards per catch as a running back. I mean, is it like, yeah. like he's that's just, he's just a much better football player. And if you're, if you're him, you can, you're right. You can get the 27 million guaranteed over two years, then hit the open market and then really cash in and you're set for life. And you only need one big contract. You only need somebody to give you well, that. If he's looking, look at Jarek McKinnon, who I think will be great in Kyle Shanahan's offense and right. all, but I mean, Jarek McKinnon's lifetime production and then he gets that contract. Can you imagine I mean, putting Le'Veon like Bell and Kyle Shanahan's offense? Out there, oh I mean, God. and there's always the caps going up. There's going to be six teams next year that have more cap space than they know what to do with, which my theory was, and the Browns did a lot of stuff that surprised me, and, and I didn't think they were going to do. But my theory was that the, instead of them drafting a bunch of, of running backs and paying Duke Johnson and everything else. Or, and Carlos um, Hyde. <laughs> I thought they would have not drafted a running back high, used those picks in other positions, maybe used one of their current guys as a trade chip, and then go out there and rob the best team in the division You know, a year from now and go give Le'Veon Bell – his 17 and add him to, you know, and Juco and, uh, if, if Josh Gordon is still there and he's still playing, whatever, but have Landry, could you imagine, have Landry and Bell in the slot at the same time? I mean, that's, that's a like, dream. I, I would have done that. I would have, I would have done that, but obviously they're not, they're not going running back, but I mean, there's, I mean, there's plenty of bad teams in this league and there's always going to be teams with, with more cap space than they know what to do with it. And it's only going to take one of them. To give Le'Veon Bell an absolute, you know, monster contract. Yeah, he'll get paid. And by, the, I mean, like, if you put Jarvis Landry and Le'Veon Bell on a team with Josh Gordon and maybe even Corey Coleman and David Njoku, and you have Baker Mayfield pulling the trigger, like, you can run a, <laughs> you can go fire Hugh Jackson and hire Lincoln Riley and just run Oklahoma's offense with that personnel at the NFL level, and it might actually work out. I'm not, I'm not saying it's a guarantee to happen. Um, but yeah, it could be interesting. What about the, Future for other guys who got the franchise tag more specific, like more specifically, and we can talk about Lamarcus Joyner too. But Demarcus Lawrence and Ziggy Ansa, um, two pass rushing guys who are now going to be paid on, on on nice one year deals, but also be incentivized to go out there 
in 2018, produce at a high level, maybe end up getting franchise tagged again, or maybe hit the open yeah. market. I mean, how, how does what plays out for them, and and should these guys and their agents and more players be embracing the idea of this high price franchise tag? Um, I mean, I don't think you can embrace it because it, the overwhelming sentiment from all agents I've ever talked to is that it shouldn't exist. It's an artificial cap on spending. And when you've now suffocated the ability of the entry-level player to negotiate, right, that's slotted. So you're, you're taking both ends of this sort of funnel, and you're capping it. You're, that pushes stuff, everything to the middle, right? The, the guys who, who, I mean, off that season he just had, Lawrence is getting, what, $50 million guaranteed? Yes. If he's, if he's, he's in the – 17, he's, right? Yeah, so right. that's $33 million that isn't there. And would Ansa get as much given all the injuries and whatever? And, and look, Lawrence has had his share of injuries too, but I mean, he, he was, you know, so dominant last year. Like, what would he have got on the open market? These, these guys, these guys, the are, these guys are, these guys are making Bell more would than have his 45 million or 50 million guaranteed already or, or whatever. I don't know how much you'd do for a running back because of the threat of injury, but he'd at least get two and a half years guaranteed at, you know, 16 a year. He's getting his 35 or whatever. And instead he's at 14. And then, you know, it used to be the franchise tags went up every time a guy got drafted, right? Sam Bradford gets drafted and it's 50 million guaranteed, mm. you know, and it's 15 million a year and that's bringing the pool up for everybody else. That doesn't happen anymore. So I don't think you can embrace it because everybody talks about fully guaranteed contracts. That's not happening. The PA is never going to get that, but at least making it so a guy can only be franchised once in his career and maybe changing the way franchise tags are computed. I would fight to get rid of them entirely. I mean, these, these, look, look at what these mediocre players get in free agency. I mean, imagine if every year the 10 best players actually hit the market who weren't getting franchised. So I don't think you can embrace it, but if you are truly a best of breed player, then you're going to, you know, and you stay healthy, you're going to be okay in the end. But the, if I'm an agent, I'm saying, why doesn't my guy have to stay healthy? He's already been healthy for five years. He's, you know what I mean? Yeah. He's done it. If he was out there, the lion's share of the money would be going to him at his position. So I, but but will it be okay for these guys? Yeah. I mean, if Lawrence does what he did last year, he's getting franchised again. There's really no doubt about it. And if that leads to a trade or a contract or something, you know, so be it. But I don't see how you let him walk out your building. I don't care that you're now paying him, you know, $21 million for one year. Like, he's probably, you know, we'll see what, how Dak Prescott continues to develop. But if he does what he did last year, he's the best player on that football team. And Ansa, I mean, again, some of these injuries have lingered longer than you'd like, and, and you have to be totally comfortable with the medicals. But if he goes out and has an 18-sack season and you're the Lions, I don't know how you let him lead the building. Maybe you franchise him the facilitated tag um, or, or a trade or whatever. But those kind of pass rushers don't hit the market. You know what I mean? Yep. And when the guys a tier or two less than them do, like an aging Jason Pierre-Paul or an Olivier Vernon, how did those guys do? They, they crushed it. the bar, yes. right? Yeah, And yeah. they're not best of breed. Listen and to here's... Pierre Paul got 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 paid two more times after blowing off his hand. <laughs> That's true. Listen, here's the top. Here are the top four, three defensive end contracts. One, Olivier Vernon, who was given a transition tag that was rescinded by the Dolphins, and he was a different yeah. kind of player who 
was like 23 at the time. He came into the league really young, um, didn't necessarily have eye-popping numbers, but everybody knew he was very good. Uh, great job by our friend David Cantor negotiating that contract. Jason Pierre. Yes, sir. Jason, caviar, caviar. That's right. Jason Pierre-Paul was, got his deal and then got traded. Calais Campbell was an older, different breed type of 4-3 defensive end who got paid by yeah, the Jaguars. Yeah, I mean, such a hybrid. And, a, and, a, and, a, and right. he, what he does on the inside is ridiculous. Right. And then the next two guys are guys who took below market value deals to stay with their team, Everson Griffin and Daniel Hunter. And then Robert Quinn, who just got traded as well. Like, this 4-3 dude. We, we and say, then Robert Quinn deal, dude. The Robert Quinn deal was signed like four years ago. Yeah. we. But that's what I'm saying. Like, we say that we're like, nothing is more important than an edge rusher in football. And, and again, we're just talking about four, three defensive ends here, so it's a little bit antiquated because outside linebackers and three, four schemes, of course, are, yeah. are pass rushers too. But like, it turns out four, three defensive ends don't get. I mean, I don't know. Like, if well, because they never see the market, right? But they, but the they, truly, truly elite ones don't. I mean, not that those guys aren't good players, but I mean, Robert Quinn hasn't. I mean, he he, he hasn't been the same since he got paid and started getting hurt. I mean, you know, again, uh, I guess, I guess Olivier what, Vernon had one breakout season. You know what I mean? Like. Nobody, I mean, if you're putting together top 10, 4 3 pass rush list, is, is Olivier Vernon even on it? I, I don't know. No, I, and that's kind of my point is like, I, I guess what I'm Cam saying. Cam Wake is, was the better pass rusher on the own Dolphins, on his own team. Yes, correct. I, I guess my point is I'm now, saying. But he was older and, you know, he was stuck on a contract and, and whatever, but like, why, that's what I'm saying. Why? So imagine if Lawrence actually hit the market at age 27 off of another 20 sack season or whatever. Right, but what, but, if, but if you're but if you're Ziggy Ansah to Marcus Lawrence, it, shouldn't there be some thought process that you gamble on yourself? You're like, all right, if you're going to tag me, that's fine. You're going to have to tag me twice. Then I'm going to go to the open market, and then I'm going to get paid yeah. an obscene amount of and money. And I'm going to get my three years fully guaranteed. It's the Kirk Kirk. I mean, everybody's right. going to try to do their cousins at their position. Yeah, I, I, but I, that's. But we're talking a handful of guys yeah. who can do it. Yeah. And Ziggy Ansah can go out and the, the Le'Veon Bells, the, those type of guys, yeah. But I would also say those are the kind of guys who may have to do what Aaron Donald would have to do this year if he's not paid and say, by year four, I'm not showing up to work. Right. I'm not doing it for five years. You know what I mean? Plus a franchise year. Like, I, I don't know. It's or, just, you know, it's just depending nuts. on what your entry-level contract was, four years plus a fifth-year option year. You know what I mean? Plus a franchise year. But that's the other reason why no nobody can use and embrace the franchise. Nobody can embrace the franchise tag. You know what I mean? Because if you're a first-round pick, it's on top of five years, plus they know they can franchise you for two. So they've got all that leverage over you to try to get you to take a below-market deal just to get any money in your pocket right now. Mm-hmm. And I understand why players do it because of the nature of the business and and, and, and how incredibly violent it is. And, and all that stuff and, and the risks and everything else. So I don't, I don't begrudge guys for doing it, but that, that is an incredibly, incredibly useful tool for organizations when they just say to the agent, Hey man, that's fine. We'll just squat on you for, you know, the full rookie contract. And then if you're a first round and then we'll pick up the fifth year and then we can franchise you twice. So it's really a seven year contract. Yeah. So, nah, we're good. We're going to pull this off the table, and you, you go play it out for another year, and we'll see how it goes. They should eliminate eliminate tags for anybody. Anybody Non-quarterbacks can only be tagged one time. Quarterbacks can maybe be tagged twice. Because if, if you're a quarterback, again, if, you're the, if you do the Kirk Cousins thing, like that – I mean, I get it. It was volatile for Cousins, and he wanted somebody to commit. But quarterbacks don't – I mean, quarterbacks aren't suffering – like career ending injuries these days, you know, it takes, it takes something well pretty massive. To, I, mean, I don't know. I'm just saying like, I, I guess the thing is though, 
to me, a quarterback's like a coach. If you're going year to year with him, then and you're not really committed to him, and he's not really committed to you, then I I, I doubt your team's going to have the kind of success mm. that you would want it to have for all the money you're paying him. And, and I would say Drew Brees and the Saints is the exception because he's been there like forever. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that. That's a weird situation. That's a lot different than having a 27 year old who's been there for four years. You know what I mean? Who's who's who knows that he could get crazy money on the open market, and you won't let him get it. But you know what I mean? You won't put the ring on him, but you want him to play like you put the the ring on his finger. Like I, I think at quarterback, that's a incredibly dangerous road to go down. Mm. Which is why look look at the Garoppolo deal. Which is that that to me is a genius deal for both sides because they're going to say, well, we're going to get close to Cousins' money in, in a lot of respects, and we're going to do it without this yearly charade of him playing for his life every week and people dissecting every throw because it's like, is he better than every other guy on the market? Where we know you really want him for five more years, and he does want to be here for five years, and he respects the hell out of Kyle, so let's find something that works. Without you know, without having to go through all the hand-wringing and, and, and all the, you know, the, the craziness of having a referendum on your quarterback every Sunday. Hmm. No, that's fair. All right, let's talk about a quarterback's contract who is coming up. And the quarterback, it's, it's not good for the huddle. It's not good for the fan base. It's not good for the coach. It's not good for ownership. So what do you do if you're Aaron Rodgers? What, and one, one, what do you want if you're Aaron, if you're Aaron Rodgers agent? What do you want from the Packers? And two, if the answer is, and he hinted at this in an interview with Peter King, now of NBCSports.com, that he might be interested in a cap percentage style contract. How does that actually play out and how does that work for Aaron Rodgers? I mean, look. Can it work? What? I, I guess it can, depending on what percentage he wants of the cap. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, you know, that's the obvious elephant in the room. I mean, if that number starts with a, you know, 33 and has another three behind it or whatever else. Look, the bottom line for Aaron Rodgers to me is, Whatever he does is going to be a three-year deal. All these, that's what all these deals are. He's not getting guaranteed money in the year four. So Cousins got 89 over three, right? 84. Okay, you want to do... Was it 80? I thought it was... I'll look up. 84 that could go to 89 if they win a Super Bowl. Okay, okay. So, okay, whatever you want to say. If if I'm Rodgers, I'm saying they signed him to go to the Super Bowl, right? The intent is they're going to win a Super Bowl. So I'm going to say... He has the potential to get ninety million, eighty nine over three. So I'm going to negotiate off of that. And he's never won a playoff game, and I've won a bunch, including the Super Bowl. And you know, I'm I'm the best player in in the league, arguably. And boy, we saw how you know we saw how the season got away from us last year when I missed ten games or whatever. So I'm I'm I want a hundred over three, mm. at least. Is it one hundred five? Is it one hundred two? Is it ninety nine? But that's where I would be in the ballpark of, you know, cousins got close to 30, then I'm probably 33. Would I settle for 32, five or whatever? But that's where my head would be. And after that, it doesn't matter. If you get, if you get 99 for three, then you're, you're doing a new, and, and look, if they want to quote unquote buy five years of my service, they can, and those back numbers can be what they be. 
but but by then the market will have moved so much, and, and we're probably getting into a new we're into a new CBA, which may right. completely change the way we compute quarterback salaries and whatever. You know, there could be a different salary cap for quarterback than every other position. Who knows? Hopefully these sides get creative this time around and 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 you know make some some meaningful changes to the the business of football. But whether that happens or not. For cap purposes, I'll give them five years. I mean, I'm Aaron Rodgers. I know that if I keep being Aaron Rodgers, I'm going to have to redo my deal after three anyway. And we'll see where the chips lie after that $100 million has been paid out. But I, I would be focused on that. And whatever percentage of the cap that turns out to be, I mean, who knows where the cap's coming? They keep selling digital rights. I mean, three years from now, you, there might be somebody doing NFL holograms every Sunday. You know what I mean? <laughs> or 4D, rights to 4D, you know, stuff. And he's going, I don't know exactly where the cap's going. But give me 99 for three, and then we'll let's talk again in 2021 or whatever. Well, so that's roughly 20% of the cap. I don't think you can 20% of a 20% of the cap this coming year would be 35.4 million dollars. So I, I mean, you can't ask for give me 33% of the cap. I mean, that's and and, and no, right. that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like you, you, you asked me what would be. You know, what does that mean? I'm like, well, if it, if the number starts with a three, it, it means it's not feasible. I mean, right, right. It means I can't, especially a team like that. Now, a small market, there are no small market NFL teams. I mean, the money these guys have at their disposal just from the running of their team is, is astronomical. Um, but the way they want to run their business, it would not, you know, it wouldn't fly. Uh, and I don't think, I don't think, it, I mean, I think 35 a year would be the absolute extreme he could get. I, I don't know. I don't think he gets there. Um, I don't think we get there just yet. I don't think we go from 30 to 35, but, uh, I do believe it'll get done. And, and my hunch is it's 32 ish, you know, and then that becomes the springboard for, I don't, I don't know if it's golf, you know, I don't, I don't know. Who's the next one? I don't know. Matt, I mean, Dak? Uh, what's that? Dak Prescott. Uh, Russell Wilson. It's hard to go from nothing to that. Ask Russell Wilson. Actually, the next one's Russell Wilson. Yeah. It's, I mean, Russell, and if they yeah, trade Russell's Russell Wilson a year from now or whatever happens there, because that's going to be another one. Like, not that he's going to be a holdout guy, and not that he would put on Instagram, you know, pay me or trade me, but like every that's going to be the reality. Like, why should Russell Wilson have to play out a lame duck year? He's two years away. Like, he plays out this year. We get to February, the combine. It's going to be the same thing. We're either doing, you know. You're giving me Aaron Rodgers money, or you should probably trade me because I think that's what I'm worth. Yeah, you're right. Uh, all right, we got two training camps opening this week. Will you be in Chicago, or are you just in Baltimore for the training camp for the Ravens camp? I'll be in Baltimore, dude. Yeah, yeah I'll be in Baltimore, working my way west from there. All right. Well, let me ask you: buy or sell on the Ravens? Buy or sell? Baltimore can win the AFC North this year. I. I, this to me is a team that that's sort of in transition that is, has finally embraced and recognized the fact that the talent level isn't where it's normally wow. been, and and that they're transitioning. And could there be one last hurrah before they say goodbye to Suggs and Weddle and Jimmy Smith and and maybe Marshall Yonda to a year from now and 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 you know try to win with with Lamar Jackson with a with a new window and actually be able to spend money on free agency? Um, maybe they do. I, I don't think they're better than the Steelers. Um, and I think the Browns, if, if you go position by position group by position group, Ravens 53 versus Browns 53, I, I don't think they have more talent than the Browns at a lot of positions. 
I, I really don't. Oh my so God. I think the Ravens will be a competitive team. I think Flacco knows that he's got to really ball out. Um, whether he wants to stay or go, either way, if he plays really well, he becomes a pretty, pretty interesting trade ship. I don't see it, Will. I don't know where the pass rush comes from. That's my biggest concern. The, the problem with them has been the same thing for a couple of years now. Teams will, will spread them out. Teams will put them in, in nickel and dime from first down on, and who's winning on the edge besides Suggs? Mm. And he's 35, and they play, They rely on Suggs. They, they, Suggs should be doing what James Harrison did for the Steelers, but he, he doesn't. He plays every single down, and he's great against the run, and he's their best pass rusher. But he's 36, and by December he's spent because he's not on a pitch count because they're not saving him to be their closer late in the year. They have to rely on him to win every single week because besides Matt Judon, who else rushes the pass? Now maybe Timmy Williams takes a step up, but I think the years of missing on Correa and Kafusi, um, maybe Bowser or, or you know steps up a couple kids from last year's draft class. But if last year if they don't develop a legit pass rushing threat from last year's draft class. The teams are going to do with them. Now, I know they get their nickel cornerback, and, and Jimmy Smith looks way ahead of the game, but I'm sorry. Teams, if they don't have to fear anybody than Suggs getting to the quarterback, then they're going to put the Ravens in personnel. Or, and, and who's their outside linebacker? You know, they never really replaced Orr, and he wasn't special, but, but he was, you know, a, a, a nice player for them. I don't see it. I don't see it. I, I think they're 9-7, and seven, you know. Something like that. The AFC so watered down that maybe two teams, you know, maybe that helps them. Because I don't know who the good teams are in the, in the AFC. I, I really don't. Uh, truly, you know, if you're talking, which teams in the AFC are in the top five teams in football? I mean, I'll put the Patriots in there just because they're the Patriots, but I don't know who else I'm putting in there. I'm not ready to put Jacksonville in that conversation just yet. You know, Pittsburgh, I still think, is the second best team in the AFC. Chargers. Um, but if, if Baltimore develops a pass rush, then that's a game changer. But I just don't see it. And even with their, their full complement of, of corners and safeties back, if you have to, in this league, when they're throwing on you all the time, if you have to cover for that long, I just it's that's a tough road to help. All right. That's a firm sell for you on the Ravens when you're calling them worse than the Browns. We're saying that the position group by position group, they're worse than the Browns. Uh, I'm not saying they're going to perform worse than the Browns right. because Hugh Jackson will undermine. He can undermine some talent now. Um, and, and he may do something stupid like throw Baker Mayfield out there week two or week three or something. But I, I don't think they will, and I don't think Dorsey would let him or at least would try not to let him. But I, I'm not going to crown the Browns because they're still the Browns, and, and I, I don't believe in the head coach. Um, but I think if he just like, leaves Haley alone um, and leaves Greg Williams alone, I, I they're going to win They're going to win some games this year. There's, there's no doubt about that. Uh, buy or sell. Mitchell Trubisky can be the best second-year quarterback in the NFL in 2018. So he's battling against. He's better than Deshaun Watson, and he's better than Patrick Mahomes. Pretty much. For starters, huh? Pretty much, yeah. Just got to beat that, the. Yeah, just got to yeah, beat. I'm, just, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm not buying that. <laughs> uh, that's one hype train where I I, I got to see it to believe it. I mean, the kids. I I I, I get what they're trying to do. And I understand the reasoning behind it, but it just, that doesn't mean it's going to work. Like the, the one, the thing about that one is, it's like everyone's just already jumped to the phase where it worked. Like, oh, you know, we got Nagy, Nagy, whatever we're supposed to call him today. You know, <laughs> we, we got a bunch of good college coaches, and you know, we're gonna we're gonna bring in the Notre Dame offensive line coach and then draft Notre Dame offensive lineman or whatever. 
okay, like I, I you know, I, it all makes sense. It doesn't mean, especially in a place where there's been dysfunction going back several regimes, you know, and where ownership is a little bit iffy. Um, and who's really going to run that thing long term? And are they really going to spend? And, I mean, it all looks good on paper. I get it. If this guy stays healthy, if that guy stays healthy, um, if if these you know if this coaching staff gels and if Trubisky is who they drafted him to be, but I I I kind of want to see it. I, I think the one thing that concerns me about the Bears too, or there's two things that concern me. One is the division, which is really good, and that that's a no brainer. I mean, I think even the Lions could be better than people think. But two, the thing about the Rams, that's that's the comp is the Rams from last year. But nobody see, would, but Nagy's not McVay. McVay's right. a unicorn. Right, and also, also like last year at this time, everybody liked what the Rams did, but nobody was buying into the Rams as a as a ten to ten plus win team. It was just I think the Rams did the good, you know, a smart thing. They got a good young coach. Can it would be an improvement over Fisher? Certainly, they could take a step forward and maybe be the third best team in the division. But nobody thought they'd win the freaking division last year. No, no, no. Um, and they may not win it this year. And that's not the end of the world either because this is not – the NFL is not a parabola. It doesn't work that way. Right. You know what I mean? And the If you graph how teams emerge and get better and become Super Bowl champions, it's not this, like, steady ascent. I mean, I guess the Vikings did it once under Chile, right? But they still never won anything at the end where, you know, each year they won two more games than the last year, you know, than the previous year. That That's, that's an anomaly. So, you know, we'll see. But, I, look, I get some of the um, – like, I get that you've got the Fangio and you've got the Wade Phillips, right? Like, I, I get that stuff. Like, I, I get some of how people are saying that there's similarities there. But I, I, it's a lot. It's 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 a lot to be the offensive mind. You know, it's a lot to develop the quarterback, install everything, call all the plays, and be the head guy. And you've never done it before and you've never really been that guy in any capacity before because you know Andy Reid only let him call plays but so much right and you still got Andy Reid there it's just it's very different and I'm sorry Jay Gruden's not Andy Reid and, and Sean McVay was doing a whole lot in Washington for a long time that I think uniquely prepared him for what he managed to do as a rookie head coach and not just a rookie head coach a rookie head coach who was who was wearing five hats. He's basically the quarterback coach, the OC, the play caller, um, and the head coach. And he's also pretty involved in personnel too, because he, you know, uniquely knows what he needs to make his stuff work. No, I mean, look, it's a it's a lot to ask. I think the Bears are probably getting a little overhyped. I'll tell you who's not overhyped. You aren't overhyped, Jason Lockham for a parabola. I can't believe you dropped a parabola in this podcast. That's the smartest thing anyone's ever said, and certainly smarter than anything that we will ever hear from Pete Prisco. Thanks for coming on, buddy. We will talk to you maybe maybe next week while you're uh, on training camp tour. Yeah, 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 yeah. We'll have to, have to um, yeah, we'll figure it out. I'll have to <laughs> forward you my schedule. I'm not sure where I am at which point. Follow but, him on yeah. Twitter at we'll Jason Lockenfora. Talk soon, buddy. Okay, sounds good, bud. Thanks, man.